is unusual for the first time in a long time since I've started going uh, systematically, I'm going to change. I'm going to take a break from uh, Isaiah chapter 1 and go to Psalm 77. Um, it's just a, it's been, a, been a heavy week, and uh, I'm, I've been sad <laughs> a lot this week. And so uh, instead of talking about God's purifying judgment in Isaiah chapter 1, I just want to look at a, a psalm of lament and, uh, and talk about Psalm 77. And I'm going to be drawing heavily from this book, uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, which is a book on uh, the grace of lament. By, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that guy's last name, V-R-O-E-G-O-P. I don't know how you, how you pronounce that, but V-R-O-E-G-O-P, Mark is his first name. I know his first name, Mark. <laughs> his last name, I don't know. I'm not even going to try. But uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, I um, found it comforting and just wanted to share some insights that he has about the grace of lament. Uh, we did talk about that in uh, maybe more general terms uh, as we went through the book of Lamentation. And we looked at Jeremiah's lament for the... Uh, city of Jerusalem, the destruction that they had experienced, but uh, I just felt like this week, um, just so, you know, the storm coming through Friday night and hearing about Ethan and Riley Saturday and uh, Miss Jeannie and, uh, and the shooting in Nashville and two Huntsville police officers shot, I don't know, it's just, it's just been a heavy week for me, and I've been sad, and uh, so I wanted to, uh, I felt Felt like it would be good to uh, turn to a biblical lament and and give ourselves permission to to be sad and to uh, cry and cry out to the Lord. And so um, that's what we're going to do tonight. Psalm seventy-seven. Um, before we do, I know there are prayer concerns. Uh, Michael and Beth are on the way to Ohio. Right, so. Uh, the lament, and uh, again, like I said, we talked about this not too long ago, and uh, um, as we went through the book of Lamentations. But to lament is really to to give voice, give voice to our sorrow and our grief. And uh, and while there's a, a whole book on lament, Lamentations, you know, five, uh, five chapters of Jeremiah crying out to the Lord, weeping over the city. Uh, it's also a common theme in other books. In fact. Uh, the author of this book, uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, uh, said that at least one-third of the 150 psalms are songs of, la of lament. And so a third of the book of psalms, uh, those songs, songs inspired by God, are songs that give expression, give voice to human pain, human suffering, human despair. Um, and uh, the author defines lament as a prayer in pain that leads to trust. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. And, and lament helps us to deal honestly with, uh, with God. You know, and I can't tell you how many times I hear as a hospice chaplain or as a National Guard chaplain or even this week talking to folks, you know, you, you hear people say, I know I'm not supposed to question God. And we, we actually talked about that back uh, 
a few years ago, we did a Bible study on things that people in the Bible Belt know that aren't true. <laughs> and that's one, you know, they, they say, I know I'm not supposed to question God. But then we see that in the, in the scripture, there, there are two whole books of the Bible where the author doesn't do anything but question God. The book of Job and the book of uh, Habakkuk, even uh, Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so uh, uh, we're never told that we're not supposed to ask our honest questions of God. Now, certainly we cannot accuse God of error. We cannot accuse God of being sinful, uh, you know, of, of, of making a mistake. That would be sinful. That would be blasphemous. We cannot be righteously angry at God because righteous anger is angry at wrongdoing, angry at evil. God cannot do evil. He is not the author or approver of evil. So it's sinful to be angry at God, to accuse God of doing wrong, but it is certainly acceptable to ask, uh, to ask questions, to confess that we don't understand. And lament helps us to bring our honest questions before the Lord, confess that we do not understand, and it helps us give voice and process our pain. And it's good to give voice to our pain and suffering. It's good to be honest. Uh, you know, you, you, you gentlemen who are fathers, you know, when your children are in pain, you, you, you value it when they come and talk to you. And, and, you know, parents want their children to come and share their pain, share their fears, share their sorrows with you. And so our loving Heavenly Father feels that way to us. And if we, if we say, well, you know, I can't question God, and we hold that inside, and we don't process our pain, we don't take our concerns to Him, we might, uh, we, we might give way to, to, to bitterness or even anger. But lament helps us to vocalize our pain, and it helps us to move from pain to trust and to worship. And we see that in Psalm 77, a, a psalm of lament, one of the uh, uh, 50 psalms of lament. Psalm 77, I cried out to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed to forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, this is my anguish. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your works and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies went out a sound, sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. 
The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so here we see uh, Asaph certainly in pain. Uh, He is suffering. We don't know the circumstances that prompted the writing of this psalm, but we do know that he is uh, uh, in, 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 in trouble. Uh, refusing to be comforted, so troubled that he cannot speak, and yet he does not suffer in silence. He cries out to the Lord. I cried out to the Lord with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. And so the first step in lament is to turn to the Lord, turn to the Lord in prayer. He cries out, but notice he's not shouting, he's not accusing He's not whimpering. He is crying out to the Lord in prayer. Crying out in prayer as an act of faith. He cries out because he believed God's, he believed God's hears and he believes that God can change things, that God, that prayer makes a difference. And so in his pain, in his sorrow, in his trouble, the first thing he does is he turns to the Lord. So the first step in lament is to cry out to God, be honest with God, tell him uh, uh, of your suffering and your sorrow. And notice what he says in verse 3, I complain, (laughs) I complain. And so the second step of lament is complaint. And you know, what what do we normally think about when we hear the word, we we hear somebody being a complainer, what do we? Do do we see that as a positive attribute? Somebody being a complainer, uh, uh, a complaint? No, we don't don't like complainers. Complaining is not a very very positive word. Um, And uh, and yet, Asaph, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in his suffering, in his day of trouble, he says, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained. And my spirit was overwhelmed. And so we, uh, we see this, and, 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 and maybe this is one of the things that gives rise to that statement, you know, that I know I'm not supposed to question God. I shouldn't complain to God. You know, we, we know that there are Bible verses that say, in everything give thanks. We know that there's a Bible verse that says God works all things together for good. Uh, we know there's a Bible verse where God commands us to be content with whatever things that we have. And we see those verses and we think, well, I should not complain. And yet, we see the psalmist telling us that he complained. Uh, we, we, we hear those Bible verses and we tell ourselves, you know, we pretend uh, that we're thankful. We pretend that uh, we really feel like that this could somehow possibly work for good. We pretend to be thankful for our situation. We pretend to be, compl- to, to be content. Uh, we put on a smile, and when somebody asks us how we're doing, we say, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we don't want to complain. And yet, the same Bible that commands us to be thankful, the same Bible that assures us that all things are working together for good, the same Bible that tells us to be content with what we have, shows us an example 
of complaint, giving us permission to complain. And why is that so? Why does God give us permission to complain? Well, it's because we live in a world that has fallen. We live in a world where things don't work the way they should. God created a good universe. And when God completed his work on the sixth day, he looked and saw all the things that he had made, and it was very good. But not long after that, sin entered the garden, sin entered the universe, and we live in a world where even the ground is cursed because of man's sin. The ground produces thorns and thistles. We live in a world where we know that we will return to the dust because we were taken from it. And we know that that journey to the dust might sometimes be very long and often painful. We live in a world where death is certain and life is hard. And God knows and he understands and he gives us permission to complain about the fallenness, the brokenness, the sorrow that has entered the world because of man's sin. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Spirit, being a grumbler, as as Ken said, you know, and and the uh, the children of Israel in the wilderness grumbling about this manna. All we got is this manna, and and looking back to their slavery with uh, reminiscent, you know, with thinking that we'd be better off there than we are here in this wilderness. Yes. So there is a complaint, and that's what we're, uh, that's the next point is don't get stuck. <laughs> and, and you're no that's that's exactly right but uh um you know uh, uh god is good god is sovereign he is in control he created a good universe but sin entered and things don't work the way that uh that it should and we know that uh that that what is painful what is wrong what is unjust is inconsistent with god's character and and uh, doesn't belong in, the, in God's realm. And so it's not right. It is, uh, it is not good. And so here the psalmist, he looks, at his, he looks at his circumstances, his trouble. His soul cannot be comforted. He complains and his spirit is overwhelmed. He reflects on God's character and he complains about the things that are not right. He reflects on what God has done in the past and wonders why God seems to be silent or inactive now. You know, I call, I remember God and I was troubled. And so he reflects on what God has done and he he, uh, he wonders why there's not deliverance, there's not rescue. And then next, he, 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 he brings rhetorical questions. He literally asks questions about God and his nature and his work. 
he, uh, he, he brings hard questions. And they begin in verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And so Asaph asks honest questions, things that are on his heart. He gives expression to his pain. And he asks these questions. Now, I don't think that Asaph really believes that God's mercies have been cut off, shut up, locked away forever. I, I don't think Asaph really believes that God is not going to keep his promises. But he's admitting that some things, that he's admitting that it feels like that. It feels like God's mercies have been cut off. He feels like God has forgotten to be gracious. He feels like that God has shut up his tender mercies. And so he is giving voice to his feelings. He is being honest about what he thinks and how he feels and giving word to his questions. And so he cries out to God, he complains, and he brings hard questions and he realizes that he is, he's just giving voice to his feelings. But the caution is that we should not get stuck on our feelings. You know, the Bible tells us our hearts are deceptive. And God has given us emotions, but even our emotions are corrupted by our sinfulness. And we, 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 we can feel, and we feel strong, and we feel powerful, but we... We can't allow ourselves to get stuck on feelings. We know that our hearts are deceptive, that our feelings can lead us astray, and so we have to, we can, we can be honest about our feelings, we can give expression to them, but don't get stuck on feelings. Remember the truth. We need to anchor our souls on the truth. And so it's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to voice our complaints. It's okay to ask hard questions, but ultimately we need to move from the pain to trust. And we remember, and verse 10 is the turning point of the psalm. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of of the Lord. And so this is the turning point. This is my anguish, but I remember. Don't get stuck on your feelings. Be honest about them. Bring your, your, your honest questions. Complain about the circumstances that seem inconsistent with God's character and God's rule. But the time comes when we have to move past our feelings and to focus on what is true. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, whatever things are true. Think about these things. And so, yes, it's okay to voice your feelings. It's okay to give expression. It's okay to uh, ask those honest questions. But then we need to ask ourselves, what is true? What is true in this situation? Don't get stuck on feelings, but move to the, to the truth. You can't trust your feelings. Be honest about them. 
Bring them into the open, bring them into the light, but don't get stuck there. Remember God's works. Remember the works of the Lord. And, uh, and, and he goes on, Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. And so in the day of trouble, in the day of anguish, in the day of suffering, rehearse the, the works. Remember the works that God has done. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. Remember the displays of his authority. Remember even the times that he, that he seemed to be absent from his people, but ultimately uh, answered and brought them into deliverance. He brought them out of Egypt. They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, and then he brought them into the promised land. Uh, he sent them into exile. They were there for 70 years. And then he brings them back. He brings a remnant back to himself. There were 400 years of silence. Uh, and then he broke that prophetic silence with the preaching of John the Baptist and the arrival of the king, the arrival of Jesus. And so when we have those hard times, we reflect on his works, the things that he has done. And as Paul asks us in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 8, you know, he who has given us his own son, how will he now hold back anything from us? And so we remember his works. Focus on those things that are true. Focus on the things that he has done in the past. And, uh, and his works reveal his character. And so the, the prophet says, I'm going to remember the years of the right hand. I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate on all your works and talk of your deeds. And so in our lament, we move from our pain, giving voice to our feelings, but ultimately we have to get to the truth. And we talk about the things that God has done. We talk about his wonders, his works, his mighty deeds, and that also reveals his character. His works reveal his character. Verse 13, your way, O God, is in the sanctuary, the way of holiness. You are holy. And that means you are different. And you see things different than we do. And you're working a plan that we can't understand. You are holy. So high are your thoughts above our thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. So wonderful for his thoughts that we can't number them. We can't count them. We can't understand. And so ultimately we confess our, 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 that we're finite, that we're limited, that our understanding is not complete and our feelings can deceive us. And we look at our circumstances and we can't see any way that this can be worked for good. We can't see anything to be thankful about. We see no reason to be content. But we also understand that God's ways are holy. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. He is unlimited, and our finite, limited minds cannot understand and grasp all of the glory of what he is doing and who he is. Your way, O oh God, is the, in the sanctuary, my translation says, are the way of holiness. You're set apart, set apart from us in working in ways that we do not, cannot understand. And then the other aspect of his character, verse 13, who is so great a God as our God? He is great. He is awesome. He is all-powerful. He is great. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the people. You have, with your arm, redeemed your people and the sons of Jacob and the sons of Joseph. So, he is holy. He is great, he is wonder-working, he is strong, and he is 
the Redeemer. And so, uh, during our times of trouble, it's okay to cry out to God and to complain and confess our lack of understanding, to ask our honest questions. But we need to be sure that we move from the pain to trust. And we move to trust by remembering His works, reflecting on what He's done, and what they reveal about His character. And so there are three particular attributes of God that I think are especially helpful when it is dark, when we are troubled, when things are not going well. Three attributes that it's good to focus on when we lament. Number one, God's wisdom. God's omniscience. God is all-knowing. He is infinitely wise. He knows all things. He knows the best possible outcome, the objective, the goal, the purpose. And not only does he know the best possible outcome, he knows all of the variables. He knows all of the possibilities. He knows all of the possible outcomes. He knows which one's best. He knows all the possible ways to achieve the best possible outcome. He knows every single way that that goal can be accomplished. And he knows which one of those is best. And so he not only chooses the best outcome, he chooses the best way to achieve that outcome. Knowing all the alternatives, all the options, all the choices, all the possibilities, he knows what's best and he, uh, he knows the best way to accomplish that objective. And so when, when things are hard, when we're sad, when we're in anguish and we're in despair, we need to focus and reflect on God's omniscience, God's knowledge, God's wisdom. He knows what is best. He knows the best way to achieve that. He knows things that we cannot possibly know. He's infinitely wise. Second attribute it's good to focus on uh, during days of trouble is the attribute of omnipotence. God is all-powerful. He is infinitely strong, and that's what the prophet does here. Our God is great. He does wonders. You have redeemed you have declared your strength among the people. With your arm you have redeemed your people, the sons of Joseph. And he speaks of his power over nature. The water saw you, O God. The water saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great wonders, and your footsteps were not known. And so we reflect on God's attribute of omnipotence. He is all-powerful. He is infinitely strong. He can accomplish all things. And so we put those two attributes together. He's infinitely wise. He knows the best outcome. And because he's infinitely strong, he can bring that about. He's infinitely wise. He knows all the possible ways to get to that outcome. He knows all the possibilities, and he knows which one is best. And because he's all-powerful, he can bring that about. He can do the best thing in the best way because he's powerful, no matter what it takes. No matter what 
display of strength or power that it takes to accomplish that objective, he is all-powerful, and he can bring that power to bear to bring about what he alone knows is best. And so we focus on his power. When it's dark, don't get stuck on your feelings. Express your feelings, give voice to your feelings, bring your feelings into the light, but anchor your hope on that which is true. God is infinitely wise, God is infinitely powerful, and then the third attribute that's very helpful when we're in the dark is the attribute of God's love. Verse 20, you led your people like a flock. In verse 15, you have redeemed with your arm, you have redeemed your people, the son of Jacob, the son of Jacob. And so God knows what is best. He is all-powerful, so he can bring it about no matter what it takes. And because he loves his people, he will. (laughs) He will use his power to do what only he can do to bring about what only he knows is the best way. And because he is our shepherd, because he is our loving Heavenly Father, because he has chosen Jacob and Joseph to himself, he shepherds them because of his love. And so, yes, we can bring voice to our pain. We can speak our our sorrow, speak of our anguish, ask our honest questions, complain about things not being the way they ought to be. But then ultimately, we remember God's works in the past. We reflect upon his character. And therefore, we move from pain to trust. And lament helps us to, to make that move. And what, what event comes to your mind when you read uh, the last part of this psalm, the, the waters seen and, uh, uh, and uh, his path in the sea, the great waters? What, what comes to your mind when you think of that image, the parting of the Red Sea, the Exodus, that's right. The, the great act of redemption in the Old Testament, when he brings his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, he brings them through the waters, he brings them through the sea in a display of his power. And, uh, you know, he, there were many routes that they could take to get out of Egypt. Many, many possibilities, many ways that they could go. But God, in his wisdom, chose the best way. But it was hard. They, it didn't look like the best way, because they were stuck between the sea and Pharaoh's army. And it looked like Pharaoh's army was going to either crush them against the sea or drive them into the sea. But God chose the best route. And because of his power, he parted the sea. They walked across on dry land. Pharaoh's army was destroyed. God was glorified. His people were, were saved. His people were free. And so we see the Exodus. We see that great act of redemption. And then in the New Testament, we read of even a greater event of redemption. For New Testament believers, redemption comes at the cross of Jesus. The cross shows us that no matter how bad things get, God is for us. He is not against us. And he chose the, the best possible outcome, the redeeming of his sinful people to himself. The only way to accomplish that was through the death of his son on the cross. 
And because of his love for us, he sent his son to die for us. And so when things are dark, when things are seem out of control, when we look at our circumstances, we can't see any possible thing, any possible way to give thanks. No, we, we, we see of no way that this can work together for good. We can't bring ourselves to be content with what we have. We reflect on his works in the past, the sending of his son into the world that we might be saved. We look at his works on the cross and what that reveals about him and we're reminded of his grace and his kindness toward us. And so Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God and making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's Psalm 44, another psalm of lament. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in dark days, cry out to the Lord. Don't suffer in silence. Don't say, I know I'm not supposed to question God. No, turn and cry out to the Lord. Pray in faith. And complain. Bring your complaints. Complain about things that aren't the way they should be. Complain about circumstances that don't belong in God's good creation, in God's realm. And ask your honest questions. Give voice to your feelings. Bring them into the light. Put your feelings, put your pain into words. Your loving Heavenly Father wants to hear. And from those prayers of pain, we can move to trust and worship. Bring your feelings to the light, give voice to your feelings, but don't get stuck on your feelings. Anchor your hope on that which is true. Focus on God's works and what that reveals about His character. And through lament, we can move from pain to praise. We can move from despair to trust, to worship because of who God is and what he has done. And when we do that, we find plenty to be thankful for. And we can believe and trust that he's working all those things for good to those that love him and who are called according to his purpose. And we can be content when we compare our circumstance with what we really deserve. <laughs> and, uh, and that uh, helps us to be, to be content.
So on those dark days, three attributes of God that focus on truth to anchor your help. God is infinitely wise, so he knows what's best. He is all-powerful. He can bring it about. And because he is all-loving, he will work all things together for the good of those who love him and those who are the called according to his purpose. So, questions about lament. A, a skill, I think, that many have lost. <laughs> we don't want to... We suffer in silence instead of crying out to our loving Heavenly Father. And the Bible gives us permission to lament, to complain, to ask honest questions, and to move from our pain to praise, pain to trust. Yeah. Now John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He said, I've told you all these things, I'm leaving you in enemy territory, I've told you how bad it's going to be, I've told you all these things that you might have peace. <laughs> told you these things that you might have peace, because in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, be of good cheer. Amen, amen. And building our trust, as we see him bring us through the dark days then that builds our trust. And the next time we go through the darkness, we have a work that we can reflect on <laughs> that he brought us through before. And uh, he was faithful in the past. He'll be faithful in the future. Well, I love you guys so much. Um, it has been a hard week. And, uh, it will be a hard week. And, uh, and so uh, uh, one of the ways that we get through those days is we, we're together. And, and we bear one another's burdens and, and I appreciate y'all. I appreciate your encouragement. I appreciate your partnership in the gospel. I appreciate your, your love and your support and your, and your prayers for me. Um, and uh, um, we get through this to, together. Lord God, we're so thankful your grace and your kindness toward us Lord and you understand our weakness and our frailties and, and that we're limited and that we have such limited understanding and God sometimes the circumstances just seem overwhelming we, we find ourselves in darkness walking through the clouds can't see light and, and Lord we thank you that you give us permission to cry out about those things and to voice them to you to ask our questions we thank you for that permission that we don't have to suffer in silence that you our loving heavenly father invite us to tell you about our pain and our uncertainty and our questions and our sorrows and even our complaints and Lord we thank you that you also help us turn our pain into praise. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to remember, to reflect upon your works in the past, the sending of your Son, the sacrifice that he made, his glorious resurrection, 
this present ministry of intercession. Help us to remember that we have an advocate. We have Jesus at your right hand, even now interceding for us. Guaranteeing that no matter what happens, you're not going to lose a single one of your children. And so, Lord, help us to reflect upon that, to remember. And by remembering, reflecting on your works and what that reveals about your character and your attributes, Lord, help us to move from pain to praise, from worry to worship, from anxiety to adoration. Lord, walk with us. Bring us through and help us to grow in our trust, in our understanding, in our love for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.